This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Live and local in the morning from 6 to 9, covering all of your favorite teams with analysis and opinions to carry you through the morning on the Blitz 1170 and streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. We want to hear from you. Tweet slash X us at the Blitz 1170 or the text line is always open at 918-262-5072. Now. It's time for the Morning Blitz. Here's Rick Corey. Good morning, my friends. We've done it. We have made it to Friday, and that's all that matters right about now. That's a smile on Bryce Hulse's face. I would imagine yours is, too. Now, if, like me and Bryce and many, you work for either years or still work a Saturday or Sunday shift, then at least you're close to one day off, right? Whatever that might be. Welcome in uh, the day after all the coaches left (laughs) and no one's been hired. But there was news. I say news speculation because Alabama hasn't said anything yet, but it looks as though the Lane Kiffins and the people like that are not really in the running for this job. Dabo, or by the way, they were chanting anyone but Dabo on the campus at Alabama yesterday. Doesn't look like they're in the running for this thing. It appears that three names, one of which we, well, two of which we mentioned yesterday, have come to the forefront, those being uh, Kellen DeBoer, Mike Norvell, and Tommy Reese. Reese, the offensive coordinator there, who, of course, former quarterback at Notre Dame and former offensive coordinator there as well for that Alabama job. You heard yesterday when we talked to um, our folks down in Alabama that they've believed it would be a very quick and you really, you know, you're past recruiting, certainly. Well, I mean, you've still got a February signing day, but at this point, nobody signs in February anymore. That's all Gosh. been done for a long time. I mean, there's a couple of guys. It probably happens in other sports, too, who just love the attention and they want to carry it out. And if you literally if you're going to tell me after all the attention you've gotten and if you're that level of an athlete, you've been getting attention since you were ninth grade. Really, literally. I mean, somebody offered Shaker Rising a scholarship in ninth grade. Yeah. Right. So you're going to, you've been getting attention since ninth grade and you're going to tell me it took you ninth grade until now. Because December was too soon. <laughs> then yeah, I'm got to milk out a little yeah, more attention. Then I'm going to say, I'm going to call BS on that and say, no, nah, you're just liking the attention. And I'm not complaining about that if that's what you like. Go but there'll it. be a few commitments in February, not many. My point is they're not in a hurry from that standpoint. What they might be in a hurry for is the movement that's going to happen in college coaching when it comes to making sure you have the assistance you're after. Mm. For one... And then your plan as you move forward into spring, plus you have 30 days to recruit the guys who are still there in the portal. Now, I don't know if you saw yesterday or not. Did you see Saban go back to work? I, I, saw, I saw the video of him mm-hmm. going back, uh, led by the convoy. <laughs> you know, as a, I saw Pop tweet that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, As a matter of fact, you know, he, Jeremy came in yesterday, and you, know, you, you might think that this is just our job. It's not. It, this yeah. is who we are. Jeremy pops in here yesterday, and we spent 40 minutes in here just talking about, hey, what if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? Which you'd think, well, that's what you're supposed to be doing on the air. Well, we do. Just we do it in different time slots, right? Um, and, and we were going back and forth. He said, what wouldn't it be great? And he, he probably talked about this yesterday. I apologize. We had a lot of medical stuff to take care of, and I didn't hear. He said, wouldn't it be great if a really <clears throat> off Pete Carroll just took over at Alabama. And he said, I know it could never happen. Well, I don't think it would happen. I mean, anything could possibly happen. But And he's right. I mean, that would be – how much fun would that be? Yeah. If someone like Pete, who still has all this energy 
wants to go down and prove everybody in Seattle wrong and wanted to go back to college. Now, it's not going to happen, too, but that's the great thing about what we do. You get to do those kinds of things and conjecture a little bit and have some fun. At any rate, you know, when we started that yesterday, we were talking about you know exactly where we go from here, and he would mentioned that there were always a lot of guys around Saban. And you know, every coach has his generally a highway patrolman or two. He has like four. You know, Switzer used to have a couple as as it was. And I got to carry the bag. That's the thing is yesterday he, he pulls up and he gets out of the car and I see him walking with somebody and I think it's a it's like a, you know, maybe somebody he's friends with. There's a guy just carrying his brief, his bag. It's not a briefcase, it's a nice leather bag. You know, like a, like a leather briefcase, if you will. He's carrying his briefcase. Like, Saban doesn't carry his own briefcase. And then there's one cop when he gets out. Then there's another as he walks closer. And then a third one. Oh, yeah. I mean, are we really worried about Saban's safety <laughs> as he goes into the stadium? We're worrying, worrying about snipers around the place exactly, or something? Exactly, like, yes. <laughs> and, and I like, okay, that's, you know, he seems like a guy who is not taken by the money, but he wants to succeed. But come on, carry your own bag, for God's sake. Uh, but mm-hmm. he, he did meet with the team yesterday, and he sat and told guys, you know, look, I'm not going anywhere. They gave him an office at the top of Bryant-Denny Stadium. So you talk about cool. Yeah. The dude has been the top of what he's done. No one's been better. No one will do what he has done. You know, there's. it's hard to any time to say, well, no one will ever do this again. No one will ever do this again. We thought that with Jordan, and here comes LeBron. Now, you can have your arguments about who's better, but the guy's that kind of a talent. We thought it about certain guys in baseball, and we find out we're reduced. And, oh, by the way, other guys can probably do that without that. So we think it all the time. But there are a couple of things, and I think John Wooden's record at UCLA – I think yeah. Oklahoma's 47-game winning streak, as close as Georgia got, it's just so hard nowadays. And I think those seven national championships never will happen again. Can't imagine. So the dude has done all that, and then you give him an office at the top of Bryant-Denny Stadium. Now that, my friends, and a guy to carry your bag, is a good day. It's It's well-deserved. And, I mean, that's the thing is – when you think about individual performances by certain athletes, you know that that's always going to be able to carry on and be able to judge that. Sure. But with the way that the college game is continuing to change, like you said, when it comes to like OU's win streak and especially just this dominant run by Alabama, I think the game is changing so much oh, yeah. that we're, we're like it's just a guarantee we're never going to see anything like it. So it's uh, you know we've said it over and over again, but it really is truly at the end of an era. Yeah, patience is not there. You know, yeah. for that kind of thing. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen it. And because I'm, we're Duke fans, I have seen that the 30 for 30 on Coach K, this, the team that saved Coach K. Yeah. You know, Mike Krzyzewski was, uh, he was doing okay at Duke, but he wasn't tearing it up. Mm-hmm. And that Christian Leitner team lit it up and changed everything. Now, Saban was doing all right. I mean, he'd already won a national title at LSU, but then they hit that same kind of stride. And, and then there you go. At any rate, that's who we're hearing. Uh, will be the guys who would take over. Now, I know Mike, from his time at Tulsa, trust him completely. He's be an interesting choice from the standpoint of not at all an Alabama guy in any way. Of course, neither really is uh, Calvin DeVore. Not at all an, an Alabama guy. A little younger, a little different in the way he handles things. And Mike's pretty dynamic. You know, and you saw how passionate he got defending his team, you know, when they didn't make it to the College Football National Championship play or the playoffs. That was an that I think would be an interesting point. I, I you know I all I know about Tommy Reese 
you know, he was the guy that threw the interception against Tulsa. <laughs> I mean, that's what I know about Tommy Reese. He was the freshman quarterback mm. who came in and threw the pick, so I'll love him forever, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a game you win because of Tommy, and it was not a good throw. Uh, but I know he has had a really good career. But I think it would be really fascinating to me that if, if Alabama chose a guy who's never been head coach, that's the part of that that I go, well, how about that? Now, if you're Calvin DeBoer, you know, yeah, it's great in Washington, but are you really going to win a title? That's the thing. What does his team look like for this next year if he's at Washington? <laughs> well, you know, like, what, 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 yeah. what, what would things look like? You know, that's, you have to be wary of that. Yeah, but minus, minus Penix and, 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 and minus Adunze, and, you know, he hadn't said he's leaving, but you didn't think he will. Uh, all those guys, you know, it's going to be different. And then it's just as an ongoing basis. Do I like Washington? Yeah, they have a couple of championships, yes, but they're not, but they're pretty scattered. Alabama had a whole bunch in, in one mm-hmm. big era. And with Washington going to the Big Ten, it's going to, not going to be any easier there. And if you go to Alabama, it's not going to be easy there, too. And I saw one article, you know, that I think we all believe, well, that's Alabama, so that's automatically the top. you got to remember, they're not. <laughs> they haven't, you know, they, they make the playoffs, get beat. Last year didn't even make the playoffs. We have different national champions here. Georgia has done such a good job of coming back in the SEC. Other teams are building there. I think it's going to be, I don't want to say it's going to be, I don't, it's going to be hard but there's going to be work involved in keeping Alabama where they want Alabama to be and where we all are used to seeing Alabama be. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be easy. Because you're you're having the same expectations that you've had mm-hmm. with Saban for his whole time there, but you're not getting Saban's Alabama. <laughs> you know, again, yep. they're, they've been in a different trajectory uh, yep. than, than Georgia has for uh, over the course of the past three years combined, I would say. Yeah, well, Georgia's yeah, had and, a, a much higher up, and then yeah. Alabama's been fine. But, you know, and when, when Milrow caught fire this year, it really made a difference. Imagine if that hadn't happened. If, he, mm. if Milrow had not turned his season – and you got to give somebody credit. It's not. It can't be just the kid. I mean, yeah. good, good for him, but it's got to have help. If if he doesn't turn that season, this is not a good year at all. No, and not for them. And it, there was a clip I saw yesterday, and you've probably seen a hundred of these now in the last couple of days. That is, here's our favorite Nick Saban rants, <laughs> and you can get them all out there and put them all together. And one of them is like three and a half minutes long, and in one of them, you can tell it's pretty early on because he looks really young, and he says, "You know, when we first got here, people just wanted to win a game." And now that's not enough. Mm. And that is one thing that they'll have to deal with down that way. Now, I don't know if you saw it or not, but he did sit down with Reese Davis, which is not surprising. Reese is an Alabama graduate, and, you know, they they seem to be friends or at least respect each other. I'll say that. And so he sat down there. I've got a couple of the comments that he made there about why he stepped away. We'll play in a moment. It's 610 here on the Blitz 1170. He's Bryce Hall. So I'm Rick Corey. Let me tell you some other things. Uh, first of all, at 650 today, this day in sports history, brought to you by Triad Eye Institute, followed by Not Sports. A couple of movies opening today. We'll get you some stuff happening around town. At 750, we'll go back to high school basketball. We want to make sure we talk to at least a coach a week. This time, Ryan Wakeley from Victory Christian. And at 830, I was able to reach Steve McGeehy, uh, the only Thunder reporter who is consistently with the Thunder every game. And Steve was actually uh, on his way back last night or yesterday afternoon when I visited with him. So we'll talk to him at 830. Uh, the travel was was crazy. I mean, the Thunder got into Portland at 3 a.m. before they played that game and then went out and just blew them away. <laughs> uh, so, but we'll talk to Steve about this team, where they are, see if he knows anything else about Giddy and what's going on there. Josh had not played terribly well since all the stuff started. And last night he had a triple-double. Yep. Um, 
and played a little bit better. We'll get into college basketball over the weekend. Or you won yesterday. Uh, we've got a guy coming to Oklahoma as a transfer who will be on his fourth school, but it kind of seems like this is where he should have started. And it's a little bit of a uh, little bit of a legend, if you will, or at least his family. We'll get a super wild card weekend, uh, Big 12 wrestling tournaments going back to Tulsa, which, you know, once again, the eighth year in a row. We'll have that in a couple of months. Sweet. We'll talk about all those things here on the Blitz 1170. We're in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio, and we can't do any of this without you, which means you text us at 918-262-5072. It's 918-262-5072, our Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line. Yes, by the way, I didn't mention Dan Lanning's name because Lanning yesterday said the grass is greener in Eugene. And it, I'm sure it is for a lot of reasons, which tells me that somewhere yesterday, Phil Knight made a phone call. Yeah. Also, want to remind you, with the Oilers' home this weekend, they will be, by the way, Iowa will be in town. You can go skate on the ice with the team in a Sunday home game. It's called Sunday Funday. Just take your skates or rent some, and you can go skate with the players on the ice after the game. You can also buy the cheap seats, sit anywhere you'd like, and we'll do what we call the Blitz Upgrade. That means that sometime during the game, we'll call some seat numbers and we'll take you right down by the ice. It's the Oilers and the partnership we have with the Blitz 1170. Don't look now, but the Blitz is on TikTok. Follow along at the Blitz 1170. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The Oklahoma City Thunder were victorious in the fifth largest blowout in NBA history as they pounded the Portland Trail Blazers 139-77, a 62-point win. SGA had 31 points and Josh Giddy had a triple-double. The previous record for the Thunder franchise is a victory margin of 45 points, set twice in 2012-13 season. The ORU Golden Eagles were big winners against South Dakota, 84-66. Isaac McBride missed all of his three-pointers but still racked up 21 points. Jalen Bedford added 17. And tomorrow, the ninth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners will be at Allen Fieldhouse at, uh, tomorrow afternoon as they take on the third-ranked Jayhawks. Both teams are coming off of road upsets this week. The Sooners are looking to get their vic first victory in Lawrence since 1993. Tip-off is at 1 o'clock. And the Oklahoma State Cowboys will also be heading up north as they take on Iowa State and Ames. The Pokes were blown out in Lubbock on Tuesday and are still searching for their first conference win. Tip-off is at 5 with a pregame at 4 o'clock here on the Blitz. That's the Wonder World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holst on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Local coverage of the teams that matter to you. If it happens in Oklahoma, we have it covered. The Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? Call us up at 918-879-1170. We want to hear from you. Always do. 618 here on the Blitz 1170. This is a Friday drive to work, and it is cold out there. About 19 is what I saw. Now, I saw 17 on one, and then I saw 19 on another. I'm looking at Alan Crone as he has the weather up here. At 10 a.m., he's got some of the winter weather past us. I didn't, I mean, we got a lot of rain last night at our house. Did you get rain? Yeah, I definitely heard it. Oh, it was, I looked outside at one point. Yeah, I went into the bathroom and looked outside at one point, and it looked like a spring storm. I mean, you could, yeah. I could see the house next to ours. I could not see the house one house away because of the blowing rain. And then, you know, like I looked, uh, I picked up my, my, uh, my app that has the mesonet on it, which is generally what's kind of the most, um, 
most accurate, and it said, no, no rain in the last 24 hours. <laughs> and it still said that this morning, which yeah. maybe it's just broken. Uh, at any rate, really cold out there, anywhere from 17 to 19 degrees, just cold enough that, yeah, you're not going to be able to tell the difference between 17 and 19. You're just going to know your <clears throat> rear-ass cold. So be careful out there today. Make sure you're wearing yourself a nice big coat, and it's not going to get any warmer. The high has been uh, taken up from 9 to 13 on Sunday, though, so there's good news. Okay, mm-hmm. Great time to stay inside and you know have maybe some Ike's chili. I'm sure Lynn's mm-hmm. putting some on the steam table right now. All right, 619, you know, I don't know what Nick Saban's going to have this weekend, but I'm sure whatever it is, it'll taste pretty doggone good with retirement. Saban talked yesterday to Reese Davis of ESPN and talked a little bit about why he decided this was the right time to leave. And, you know, we talk about, you hear Saban all the time talk about the process, about trying to help players make more value for themselves. But you can only do that if you hold yourself to a high standard. And if you listen to what he says here about why he stepped away, he just tells you the kind of ridiculously high standard or excellent standard he holds himself to. Here's part of that conversation. You know, when I was young, you know, I could work till 2 in the morning, get up at 6 and be there the next day and be full of energy and go for it. But when you get a little older, that gets a little tougher, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. What's an example of something that, when you say it took a little more out of you, a little more grueling this year. What's an example of something that happened in the season? Um, you know, I, I think that my role um, was a little different this year. Um, I was more involved with the defense, had to be more involved with the defense. Uh, that took a little more time, put a little more stress, you know, on me. Um, made me feel like maybe I wasn't doing as good a job as I needed to in other parts of our team. and. Um, I just have a high standard for how I do things, and if I can't, if I don't feel like I'm living up to that standard, I'm really disappointed. Why do you think you weren't living up to the standard? I mean, um, you you won the SEC, you went to the playoff, played know, away from the national championship game. I, I know, but yeah, but we didn't get in a national championship game, and I felt like if I could have done a better job, you know, Michigan would have scored on the last drive to tie it up 2020, and would have had a better play to run on fourth and three at the three to you know, have a chance to keep the overtime going. So um, I'm always more critical of myself than I ever am the people around me because I think I can control and influence all those things. But um, I guess that's – I wasn't disappointed in the season. I wasn't disappointed in the team. I wasn't disappointed in the players. In fact, this team was fun to coach, and it was a – they came a long ways, uh, and I was really proud, you know, of – the way everybody bought in and did what they did to have the success that we had. But at the same time, I felt like I could have done a better job um, if I was younger. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he holds himself responsible for all of that. And just getting to the playoff was not enough. It never was. That high standard, which seems to be, I mean, you think everybody has a high standard, right? I mean, yeah. Dan Lanning has a high standard, you would think, and Kalen DeBoer has a high standard. Why was his high standard better? Is it just talent? I mean, talent's one thing. Managing a huge group, that's that's really important. Being able to change as the game evolves is really important, and it certainly didn't involve evolve, pardon me, as much from when he got that job as the last, well, since the portal. Right. I mean, that's when things really kind of went nuts. That's when they, they threw the anchor overboard and everybody jumped off the ship. But until then, it was just adjusting to styles, patterns, the way you run offense, the way you run defense. And, and most people can do that. Most people are pretty good at X's and O's people. 
But how do you take that level of st- that standard and make it that good all the time? And then the other question I had as I watch him, you know, through the years, when you watch Saban in interviews or post-game, in any of those situations, even in videos that you catch of just him with his team, did anything come to mind about watching those? I don't want to say it and then have you disagree. Is there something about watching him that was kind of a an overwhelming thought most of that time? I'm not sure if there was anything that stuck out to me personally that that, that really was glaring. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe when I think about, I'll I'll tell you this: when I think about what what caused a lot of the success that has happened over the over the course of his time at Alabama, really has to come off as like the work ethic that he's had and to be mm-hmm. able to bounce that off of such talented individuals. Um, and so when he talks about stuff like that, uh, I feel like that's something that he really reiterates is just kind of this perfectionism about every time that he's interviewed. But how do you but get everybody to buy into that? The thing, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine it being something that just drops off immediately just because of, you know, when you talk about Portal or mm-hmm. NIL. I mean, that's what's really surprising to me is seeing how quickly that can seem to vanish you know once once you start seeing this new age of college football <laughs> because that's a, that's essentially what you know he kind of alludes to right it is is not being able to get guys to to buy in or a lot of people focusing too much on me well he now he said he liked this team yeah he said this team was fun to coach but he put extra pressure on himself during the year to coach more is that because he had a coaching issue? All that aside, I mean, those are the things you handle year to year, and he's right. done that. But again, why is his better better? And the one thing that I, as I watched him through his career, and I've said this a thousand times, people have heard it, I never was one of those Saban haters. I'll never hate somebody who who wins when they're doing it yeah. right. I'm fine with that. You know, I'm not a, I was never a Patriots fan. I never liked Belichick. I mean, from the standpoint of just, There's a just watching the guy, but then when I think about it, and this really occurred to me yesterday because I was watching Belichick's newser, and then I watched, I saw a little bit of of Reese Davis's interview there, which that's of course credit to ESPN with with Saban, and we've always thought they're kind of the same guy, right? I mean, that's the way it kind of appears, the the vibe that they give off. You know what I felt bad about, and it just suddenly struck me: neither one of them looked like they ever had fun. They looked miserable, mm. both of them, all the time. Whether it was during a game when they were mad or disappointed or the, the old famous, well, Saban won a title and he held it up so he smiled. How many smiles yeah. did you see a year from Nick Saban? Two or three. Yeah, it, if, if... Only when he's holding a trophy. <laughs> if the level you need to achieve the success you have makes you miserable... And maybe he wasn't. Maybe that's just his face, <laughs> you know. But you tell me you didn't see Belichick standing there in the cut-off sleeves and the snow blowing around him when they're getting their butts beat that he didn't look miserable. Which, yeah. You know, I, I just wonder. I feel bad about that. He's he's done such amazing things. Saban, again, I'm, I'm referring to, and you could say the same for Belichick. He's done such amazing things. He's hit such amazing heights. He's set such amazing standards, and he looked unhappy the whole time. Now, is he truly, or is he just so driven, so insanely driven, 
that you never seem like you're happy because you're always reaching for that next star. You know, Michael Jordan was an insane competitor. Mm-hmm. And he didn't smile a lot on the court. I mean, he did occasionally if he did something really, you know, when he, you know, when he closed his eyes and hit the free throw, and then he smiles on the way down court. Yeah, guys like that that are so serious and are so perfection oriented. I wonder. <laughs> I guess my question is: It worth it? If you have to give up being quote unquote happy, is it worth what you're chasing? And yeah. maybe he didn't. I just, that's what strikes me when I watch him. And you saw him in the interview with Reese yesterday. He looked relaxed. He smiled a little. Yeah. All that pressure seemed to be gone, which would tell you that the job was an enormous weight. And if it was as an enormous weight, how in the world did he keep his sanity? I mean, have you heard the story about Urban Meyer really driving himself nuts over a loss? Oh, yeah. I mean, literally... The guy almost had to check himself into a facility over one game because guys who are driven at that level are so driven to win every time they're out, every time they play, that when they don't, it makes them crazy. How close is that gap, I wonder, between you think about you think about like the Urban Myers and the Sabins? Well, you know, obviously, Urban Myers had a lot of success and everything, but yeah, especially um, in dance clubs. And, and there it is. So, mm-hmm. um, like, I, I wonder exactly how how far and how how few and far between those two situations can be, because obviously they kind of have the same mindset, right? Yeah, but I don't. I'm not going to ever assign Urban Meyer to anybody else because you know what, what you do personally. Case. Yeah, what you do personally is a little different. But it, when guys like that are that driven, it, it does it make them miserable? Is it worth it at the end of the day? Now, you what was it? I saw was it Bill James? No, it wasn't Bill James. It was oh, I can't remember his name. A political reporter who's really good at it. It's a huge baseball fan, George Will. When he was describing. Uh, the movie Bull Durham, because George Will is a huge baseball fan. And if you don't know George Will, is Google him because he's a he's a large journalist. Well, he was an important journalist. So I think he's still alive. Anyway, he was describing Bull Durham when it came out, and you've seen it, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you were to say yes. no, I was going to make you leave, right? Just go home and watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, or something like that. Um, when he was describing it, he called it the nobility of mediocrity. And nobody sets out to be mediocre. Everybody wants yeah. to be better, and we all want to, you know, we want to give effort. But and and I thought of those two things crossing paths yesterday as, you know, Crash Davis seemed to be happier than Nick. <laughs> saying something. <laughs> uh, right up until well, anyway. I just thoughts I had yesterday. Random thoughts. Do you have any of the same ones, or do you have different ones, or am I completely off my lump? I probably am. Nine one eight two six two five zero seven two. That's the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line, or not? That's our line. To, you can get to us. Really, is it worth it if that's what you go through? And maybe not everybody does. I mean, maybe you've known high performers in your life who are always really happy, but we can't all be Tony Robbins. <laughs> it is 630 on the Blitz 1170. Bryce Olson in the next room now quickly Googling, you know, trying to make sure he knows who Crash Davis really is because he didn't watch the movie. Uh, Triad Eye Institute. I want to tell you about the folks over there and their $3,600 LASIK special. It is uh, running out quickly. We're only going to have this through the end of January, and then this special is over. 
So, if you'd like to see the snow <laughs> or see your way through the snow, uh, you know, and, and that's actually, I'm kind of joking, but not really, because I know when, before I had my eye surgery and I had lens replacement at Triad, because that's what I specifically needed, before I had that surgery, driving in the rain or in, in, in bad weather conditions w- was really difficult. It, it, my eyes made it a lot harder. And if you, you know, if you need LASIK, which is what the special is for, you're in the same situation. Anything that's not bright, pure sunlight, that's a problem, and it makes it harder. Would you like to be able to be safer again when you drive at night or in those situations? You can. Look, if you need LASIK, it's important to know that there'll never be a better price. $3,600 is as good as it gets. You also need to know the best surgeon in America will do this, Dr. Ryan Conley, a fellowship-trained cornea expert. You also need to know that you could qualify for 0% financing, which is available, and you can get a free screening at any of their locations. You can do it in here in Tulsa or in McAllister or Bartlesville or Grove or Claremore or Pryor or Muskogee, any of those places, and get a free screening. It's simply the best deal you'll ever have. It's painless. I've done it. It's painless. And the recovery is nothing more than somebody drives you home and, hey, don't go swimming for a while so you don't put pressure on your eyes. I mean, it really is brilliant. Call 918-252-2020. It's 918-252-2020, but hurry, because this is running out. This is your opportunity to get it for $3,600 and see more of your 2024 with Triad Eye Institute. The Blitz text line is always open, 918-262-5072. You can text us anything you want at any time. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The ninth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners will be at Allen Fieldhouse tomorrow afternoon to take on the Jayhawks, third-ranked in the country. Both teams were upset on the road this week. The Sooners are looking to get their first victory in Lawrence since 1993. Tip-off is at 1 o'clock. The Oklahoma State Cowboys will also be heading up north as they take on Iowa State and Ames. The Pokes were blown out in Lubbock on Tuesday and are still searching for their first conference win. Tip-off is at 5 with a pregame at 4 here on the Blitz. And Sunday, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane will host the Tulane Green Wave at the Reynolds Center as they look to secure their first conference win this season. Tip-off will be at 2 o'clock with a 1.30 pregame over on Big Country 99.5. That's the Winter World of Tulsa to Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson, on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Blitzing up your mornings. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? You can always join in by texting us at 918-262-5072. Would love you to do that. As a matter of fact, it's our Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. I'm Rick Corey with Bryce Hulse. You know, it's not far from Oilers football. We're going to have to get with them in a couple of weeks, too, aren't we? I'm just looking at one of their jerseys right across the uh, the um, uh, room from me here. All right, uh, your thoughts. I mean, uh, Maybe I'm completely off base about the whole he looked miserable the whole time thing. I kind of feel bad for somebody who looks who really is high performing but looks unhappy doing it all the time. And that just struck me as I watched Saban yesterday look so much more relaxed, which good for him. I mean, that's well deserved. At seventy you know the thing is too, at seventy two, he's got time to enjoy this. Of course he's got the money to enjoy it too, which doesn't oh, yeah. hurt. But he certainly has the time to enjoy some of that if if he lets himself. All right, so yesterday when we were talking, you know, the first names that popped up were the Sarks of the world and of course Dan Lanning. And yesterday when we talked to the folks down in uh, in Alabama, Evan Dudley he still thought Lanning would be the number one guy. Well, it didn't take Lanning long to say, no, I'm staying. And Bryce and I talked about this, too. As we mentioned yesterday, yeah, Phil Knight's already on the phone, and I'm pretty sure that probably went on. So Lanning yesterday had a team meeting, and he kind of led it team meeting-wise. 
and never really said, at least that not in this part of the video, didn't see him just say anything other than, you know what, this is where I want to be. I'm, well, he didn't really even say that. I'll play it for you. But then he said basically at the end of the, at the end of this, it, it's pretty much I'm staying here and I'm starting my own clothing line or a T-shirt <laughs> line or something along those lines. Yeah. Anyway, here, here he is yesterday with the, t the kids in team meeting. Everybody got goals and aspirations. You know how you get those? You'd be the best where you're at. That's how you reach goals and aspirations. That's how great things happen. It's not about worrying about the next thing. It's about worrying what's right in front of you, six inches right in front of your face. I want to remind you guys what that means. You guys just got here, don't know them, right? But it means something to be an organ done. Everybody makes what? They all, they all make commitments to things that they're going to do. A lot of starters, the world doesn't have a lot of what? Finishers. We're finishing. I want to be here in Eugene for as long as Eugene will have me. This place has everything that I could possibly ever want. There's a little bit of a problem in society today with people looking for what's next and where where there's an opportunity. And the reality is, you know, the grass is not always greener. In fact, the grass is damn green in Eugene. <laughs> and he finished that video with a picture of him sitting in what looks like either a bar or his home bar with a big old cigar. And just looked pretty happy. So Dan Lanning's not going anywhere. Uh, and maybe they didn't want him to begin with. So maybe at the end of the day, this was just a really good way for him to add to the paycheck. Because a lot of coaches around the co around uh, college football got richer yesterday. <laughs> if you think for an instant, even though you're not hearing it, that they didn't, they did. And I saw this tweet, too, and uh, by a tweet, I'll paraphrase it. We mentioned yesterday about Lincoln Riley not even having a name thrown out there. And the tweet said if he'd stayed at Oklahoma, it would have been. And that might be true, but he absolutely buried himself in the first couple of years at USC. Yeah. And if you're, you know, you talk about a fallen star, you know, I mean, the, from the time of all of us loving old Mule Shoe to, you know, he's getting you to the playoffs every year and he's the quarterback guru to you got the best player in college football talent-wise and you just crash, you, you crater, can't get it done. Look unhappy to be there, you know. Even at your at your opening press conference, that that to me has been a surprising fall from grace. Yeah, it has. Um, I, I think that he definitely would have had a, a bigger opportunity had he been able to to stay at OU. Oh, yeah. Just because you you think about too. I mean, think about the standard that he had set there. About you know, you might have one you know, confusing loss uh, here and there throughout the regular season, but be able to actually make it to a Big 12 championship virtually every year besides his last year there. Um, I think that's what's so disappointing for him is just that fall from grace. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when <laughs> a part of it keeping uh, ties to the same defensive coordinator that everyone seems to rightfully get disappointed with year in and year out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, before he finally said, all right, enough. Mm -hmm. uh, he's done. Uh, but he might have done yourself at the same time. That question is he doesn't have a whole lot of upside. And so, you know, had he stayed, would that have been the case? Maybe so. You know, and, and we're not hearing Brent Venable's name. But so been able to use it to his advantage a little oh, bit, cool. right? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. At least. Yeah. yeah. What, this, what this is bringing up, though, when you see people of, of you know, Pete Carroll get retired and, you know, what's happening in New England and then Saban, it does bring reflection on all those other people because it's going to start that that really unusual rolling downhill of the lava that happens at every job change, but not as much as it's going to happen there. One of the articles I read yesterday, and I, I don't blame them. It said Alabama made the initial calls they had to, to the Kirby smarts of the world and people like that to make them say no. Yeah. Cause you have to, mm -hmm. and you're Alabama, you can make that call yeah. and you could probably make a case 
But if you're Kirby Smart, I mean, there's just some decorum, too, within conferences and all those kinds of things. Now, did you see the video that showed Kirby and Nick talking on the field this year? And at the end of it, someone says, the video says, Kirby knew something we didn't know. Oh. Uh, I got to find this then. Because you, the two of them are talking, and at the end of it, they're on the field again. Kirby Smart shakes his hand and says, well, man, at one point, Saban says to him, well, you were right about one thing. I am too damn old for this. And they laughed and blah, blah, blah. And then they shake hands, and Kirby touches him on the shoulder and says, man, I just want you to know it's been an honor. Got it right here. All right, play it. At the end of that, what you didn't hear is there's a part where he said, it's been an honor, man. Yeah. And now, now, I suppose you could say that if you're just... Like that's a curtain call. Yeah, if you're just feeling, you know, feeling that at the moment, that sounds like Kirby knew. Yeah, I, I, I think he did. If he did, why? Do you think that that's there's this? Uh, I don't know what the word would be. Maybe this, this sort of rule, unspoken rule between coaches. Maybe that like cer- certain coaches in that circle, maybe even in that conference. They kind of know the ins and outs of something that's going on. That's kind of part of what I was talking about. It, it kind of goes along with what I'm talking about, about why it would be hard for Kirby to move. You know, yeah. That would be really difficult. You know, it just, it, Yeah, you could do it, and it's Alabama, and you could go do your thing, and you could kind of ignore all those other people if you wanted to and make it white noise, but it would be difficult. Let's be right. honest. It just would be difficult. And, and <laughs> nowadays, I mean, you don't know the kind of things your family might get put through or anything else that would be, it would just downright be hard in these, in the case of these two, because we'd seen, I know it was about four or three, four years ago uh, on one of the game day programs, they showed them back when they were on the same staff together, when they were shoot, they would have these free throw competitions and play basketball. And yeah. they seem to, despite the head to heads, which have been vicious, they seem to have re- enormous respect for each other. Mm. And so, you know, who knows, maybe Saban called him and said, look, here's what I'm thinking of. You're probably going to get a call. I just want you to know. And, and who knows? Now, that's complete conjecture. And we right. could have been talking about something different, I suppose. But it sure sounds like Kirby Smart knew. And, and if you hadn't heard that, then, you know, you heard us play it there, and we'll, we'll do it again. And you tell me what you think. Do you think Kirby knew? And if, if, you're that, if, if so, was that a point of Saban just um, telling a friend, getting advice from a friend? Because when Reese Davis asked him in the interview yesterday, who would you talk to about it? He said, Miss Terry, his wife. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't say anything. He didn't say anyone else. Of course, you mm-hmm. probably wouldn't go tell him that. I just thought that one was really interesting when I when I saw and saw that one, and I watched it again, and I watched it again, and I thought, all right. So imagine, tell me how, what else could this have meant? What what else could they be talking about? And I'm sure there's thing. another explanation. I'm just not coming up for it. Yeah, maybe there is, but I mean. It- and for all we know, it could just be what the way they usually treat the end of a season. <laughs> maybe just mm-hmm. once you get to the championship, uh, uh, championship point of the season, maybe that's just kind of the way they normally talk. Maybe, and, and we can interpret it in a million different ways. Yeah, I, I guess. I, then this one before we take the break, we get to the state sports history brought to you by Triad Eye Institute. 
there's so many things now being you know being said, and and we're looking for superlatives around the program and all. Twenty four seven live yesterday tweeted arguably, and I don't know that it's even arguably the most loaded coaching staff in sports history. Did you read that list? I think I saw some names for two thousand fifteen Alabama's coaching staff. Yeah, Saban's the head coach. The offensive coordinator is Lane Kiffin. The defensive coordinator is Kirby Smart. The offensive line coach is Mario Cristobal. The wide receivers coach is Billy Napier. The D-backs coach is Mel Tucker. Gosh. The offensive linebacker, the, the outside linebackers coach, Josh, uh, Tosh LePoy. The defensive line coach, Bo Davis. Also on that staff, Dan Lanning, Glenn Schumann, Scott Cochran, Freddie Roach, Kerry Stevenson, Kerry Colbert, Doug Belk, and Charlie Weiss Jr., Think about it. Dan Lanning was a GA on that staff. <laughs> Jeez. Just, just to kind of put it into perspective. Then you wonder, okay, yeah, he's got talent and he's he's got a you know a propensity for doing this. Look, we learned under. Yeah. Look at all. <laughs> oh my God. And you know what? I, as much as I will miss Saban and what he does and his the expertise on the field and all those kinds of things and his occasional really funny comments. You know, again, I listened to several of those rants yesterday, and occasionally he gets so irritated with those of us in this job. And I got to tell you, in a lot of what he was irritated about, he's right. And I'd love to have your input on this at 918-262-5072. This plays into a story we're going to have a little later on about ESPN making up names. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which they did. And even though it's not to mislead you or me, it, they did, and then we know about the Sports Illustrated using AI mm-hmm. and then putting a real reporter's name and picture there, which is a straight lie. We know about the you know the two sideline reporters saying, "Yeah, we make stuff up every now and then," which is a straight lie. And Saban loved to look at you know loved to pick at reporters about you're just trying to say stuff so people will click on things and talk about it, and he's right. Yeah, being first instead of being informative. Well, and sometimes not being honest. There are, yeah. there are many, many reporters out there who are beat writers or whatever who are just after telling the story. That's all they're after. And there are those people out there who are trying to be that one who digs that one thing up that gets them the next job. And Saban, you know, really hated that. And some of the stuff he picked at probably was oh, was really fairly legitimate, but a sore spot. <laughs> but he got after that yesterday uh, pretty good as well. And uh, we'll get into all that part, the ESPN story, which... I'm I'm not torn on it because I, I understand what they did and it didn't damage anybody. And maybe the rule needs to be changed that they were, you know, that they're talking about, but I'll get into that a little bit later on. But it does point as you go down the go down the list about some of the frustrations yeah. and some of the things you have to put up with and, and I don't know how in the world you get by it. But I would like to have your opinion on it, nine one eight two six two five zero seven two. But what where I was going with that whole thing is what I'm gonna miss is his coaching tree. As much yeah. as I love all the other stuff, and, and like I said, the little comments and you know, the explosions, the coaching tree, the people who have been come from underneath him to become really fine head coaches, that's gone. His yeah. ability to save Mike Loxley and his ability to save Sark, whose name never even got mentioned in any of this, which really surprises Odd. me. Well, Texas is, you know, if, if, it's not Notre, if it's not Alabama and Notre Dame, Texas is right there. Mm-hmm. Honestly, when it comes to money and support and all that stuff, yes, they can be impatient. I get all that stuff. But... When you're talking about being handed the key to the executive washroom, that's one of the that's one of the places you're going to look at and say, yeah, yeah. Um, those those guys who came from underneath him, some of them restoration projects, 
I, you know, maybe somebody will be able to do that again. I can't imagine when. I think it's underrated because sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes we get caught up, and I, I was guilty of this back in the day too, is thinking just like, well, it's Alabama. You know, you see mm-hmm. that being a safety net job, like I've mentioned, for a lot of people to go be analysts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But to ma- imagine about the, the guys that he's been able to catapult oh, yeah. in their career. And I remember thinking when Kirby Smart got that job at Georgia. He's a defensive coordinator for Alabama. You know, like I, I could do that job because you get all these guys. And but look what he's done. You know, mm-hmm. Mark Rick wasn't able to do that at Georgia. So mm-hmm. it's like, I think it's really uh, underrated to think about the the way that he's been able to develop those guys and put them in better positions instead of just always thinking, well, they're out out. You know, what he's created Alabama, anybody can do those jobs, and that's the whole reason why. And you also have to believe that all of them had some of the same drive he had or they wouldn't have taken being pushed like he did. Now, we mm. saw famous blow-ups on the sidelines with he and Kiffin. Yeah. You know, he's, well, Kiffin didn't yell back an awful lot. He just sat there and stared straight ahead. But mm-hmm. with, I mean, Saban inches from his face just ripping him. Saw yeah. him and, and Kirby get into it more than once. You know, saw him yelling at Sark when he was the offensive coordinator. So you had to be able to put up with that high level. And then you had to want to achieve at that level, too. And I remember the score. You could see the score in that uh, argument with him and Kiffin is like 38 to 10 mm-hmm. Alabama. You know, just to give yep. you an idea, like it's never enough. You know, just that standard. It's driven. crazy. Absolutely driven. 651 on the Blitz 1170 here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Love your input at 918 uh, Tell us what you're thinking. We've got this day in sports history followed by not sports coming up at 750 this morning. Ryan Wakely, head basketball coach at Victory Christian. And at 830, Steve McGeehee, the only full-time Thunder reporter in the state, as we'll talk about Oklahoma City coming up today right here on the Blitz. The Blitz 1170. Your new home for Rich Eisen. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Transfer quarterback Casey Thompson has committed to the Sooners. Thompson, a sophomore native and former four-star in the 2018 class, has previously been with Texas, Nebraska, and FAU. He was granted a seventh year of eligibility. His father, Charles Thompson, played for the Sooners from 1986 to 88. And the Oklahoma City Thunder were victorious in the fifth largest blowout in NBA history as they pounded the Portland Trailblazers 139-77, a 62-point win. SGA had 31 points and Josh Giddy had a triple-double. The previous record for the Thunder franchise was a victory margin of 45 points, set twice in the 2012-13 season. That's the Winter World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson, the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.